This is the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast. Does it classify you as an adult to own an umbrella? What's the other one you use? Grubhub or something? Grubhub? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not getting it for you. So now he's the yawn guy? This is the BNB Network, and you're listening to the 70th podcast of the Bull Mountain Brothers. What's up, guys? <laughs> Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> yeah, back <yeah>. again. <laughs> How does it feel? What is your name We're again? We're both sitting here trying to come up with lyrics. I know. What was the lyrics? <laughs> back again. Tell your friends. Shady's back. Yeah. Back. back Maddie's back. Friend. Guess back who's again. Back. Guess who's back? Guess well, I spent back. 32 hours back. in the truck Guess straight in like the last two and a half days. And I listened to like 13 of our podcasts. Is that yeah. something yeah. Is that something that you should be saying? Yeah. Okay. I just got to find out how much we talk shit about the last Do you hear every podcast that you miss? I the last, called the out last for talking podcast. shit on you. The last, every single you one. I hardly ever talk shit, so. He does. I d- <laughs> Every time you're not here, I say one thing, and they're like, oh, you're just talking shit on Matt because he's not here. And I'm like, that's eh, not really me talking shit. I think shit. the funniest thing about the last episode was it took us probably 45 minutes to mention. F- 56 <laughs> minutes into it. You're like, oh, yeah, Matt's not here. <laughs> We're like, he doesn't listen to these. He'll never know. <laughs> well, we just got into a really good conversation, I think, and then it just lost. Lost. That was, was a it, good podcast. How was it as a listener not being involved in the in the conversation? Do you have one you would have added, or do you, would you have switched anybody around? I don't even remember what we talked about. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, you said you knew who my celebrity hunter would be, but you weren't going to say it on on camera. You were going to tell the boys afterwards. So who is it? I can't tell you on camera. Still, Riley Reed. <laughs> no. Who is that? I have no idea. Bullshit, you don't know who that is. Who is that? Matt doesn't know who that is. I have no idea. He's like, I'm more Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) (laughs) Grubhub? (laughs) Well, all right. It's good to laugh after um, a very serious podcast. I just got done with a very serious. What is. I got stung by a bee. Just continue. Well, this is why you're getting stuck in a corner. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you. How did you feel about my my news in the last episode? How do you feel about that? He's conflicted because you guys are getting rid of the couch, and that's like his favorite part of the room. Kind of, yeah. Well, we forgot to add the part that Matt is also getting a corner as well. <laughs> <laughs> we're just all going but he's not corners. getting a microphone. Yeah. We're, all getting our, we're all getting put in our own corner. He sits in a chair. You just hear Matt in the background. What are you Woo! doing, Matt? Yeah. He's our live audience. <laughs> <laughs> I hold up a fucking uh, laugh. Applause. Applause. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, re- really, what was your thoughts on? I don't know. It's going to be different. I don't like it, but I think it'll work out. You understand why? I'm no, I understand okay. why. I just. It's change. I don't talk anyways. You didn't I'm, talk at all in this podcast. No. Neither did Sean. I didn't. It was so fucking nice, though, not hearing <laughs> Sean. You didn't have to edit 20 minutes of him out this time. Oh, don't you dare start <laughs> talking about me getting edited. <laughs> Anyways. Um, we, we're going to kind of talk about this at the very end of the other the interview. And we're like, oh, this is not the time and place. But you did. You knew how. You... Uh, 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 you are getting a new I computer. You have a new computer coming. I do. Are you excited? 
No, I have so much work to get caught up on. How many videos do you have? This is like 10. No, oh, I think it's more than that. I know. I'll get it on YouTube because I kind of wanted to put my phone up on the dash and watch the okay, podcast. And watch don't, himself. Don't incriminate yourself. And uh, guess what? Paper cut. no new. Like you've watched the 12 that I did? Actually, not only is yeah. it not new, but it would lead to believe if I look at this right now. She said the last episode of, or our guest um a week Jill told us that the last episode on YouTube is 12. So that is 10. Yep. What? No, it's uh this is the 23rd podcast, so well, 11 after this one. It's been 3 months according to YouTube. So basically to Ramsey's standard, these cameras mean fucking nothing. <laughs> <laughs> tell tell you how are you going to put them out though? All at one time. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Edit it all into one five-hour segment. If we average an hour and a half, half, that's 15 hours of film. Which means probably 35 hours. That'll get me video. from here to Oregon. <sighs> you can come sit and do them with me, too. A new update with Bobon Brothers. Matt is moving back to his homeland in California. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, though. Thank God. No, no. New computer on the way. Uh, a lot of the reviews say it's an editing machine. It's an editing machine. So, but the user is not. So that's where we I don't know teeter. if you saw how long it takes on Riley's computer and the five videos that I was able to get. Well, they, Riley's computer. yeah, it takes about eighteen hours to do an hour and a half video. Okay, but yeah, how much time do you have into actually like the work of editing the video? Probably not mm. more than three, two or three hours a piece. Yeah. So, so like, we're not going to see Ramsey for like six days. But you streamlined it so you don't have to add like... Right. If you were having to build your from intros start and your like he used to do. Yeah. I remember when he, I heard from Riley that you were building him every time. I was like, that sounds horrible. So now I have... Well, well he's going to have to start over in a, in a sense because he's got it all on a new computer. So he's going to have to... Well, no, it's all on your computer. Dude, what about the fucking... The L-Dog, man? The Lacey. What was the nickname we came up with that thing? I don't remember. Does anybody... No. Oh. Does anyone know where it's at? It's in my backpack in the camper. It's a good place for it. It's really? You don't know where that's at? What? Don't look at me like that. I don't know what you're talking what about. What is happening? What are you talking about? Don't. God, I feel the frustration. I don't know what he's talking about, but. <laughs> I said, how do you not know where that's at? What? The, the, uh, the, I know exactly where it's at. No, you not just said you. where it was at. I know. I mean, how do you, I not know where it's at? Yeah. What are you asking me? Well, because you bought it. What is the point? It's like you it's like, I don't know where it. my truck is. I bought Sorry. it for him to use and for us to use. That fucking shit happens. Sometimes you go outside, your fucking pickup's gone. You're like, where the fuck's my pickup? And then you see an S10 and you're like, oh, Ramsey must have it. Yeah. How much does it leak now? I don't know. I haven't drove it. Somebody else has it now. Who? Jacob, I think. Matt's car sales for all your car sale needs. Billings, Montana. It's not even car sales. It's just come come borrow his stuff. Yeah. It's a lease. You don't pay shit. <laughs> but but Ramsey gets done telling me he's like, we had a full conversation yeah. about me taking your big up. I'm like, well, that was like 56 hours ago. Well, the whole conversation was is I was like, I really don't want to drive this 7-3 back out there to go get this camper. Hey, shh, he's listening. And I don't care. And uh Matt's like, why don't you just take the tan truck? And I'm like, okay. And he's like, but it leaks. And I'm like, okay, then I'll fix it. And he's like, yeah, I'll leave the keys and the gas cap for you tomorrow. <laughs> and I walk up to it and I'm like, 
There's not a fucking chance. Here's the second. Here's the, the funnier cap. part to the story. Have you told him this yet? What? How you got into the truck? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the keys, right? Well, you probably don't remember the conversation, but I told you I had thought that I had had a spare key. Yeah. Spent all night, Friday night, looking for this fucking key. Did not find it. I'm like, well, he's going to leave the keys in the gas cap. I'll be fine. Could not find this key. So, like, I'm getting up in the morning trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do if you Didn't Benelli knock something on the ground or something? No. I'm like, for some reason, and I never do this, I wore my shoes up to my bedroom. So, I'm, like, putting my shoes on, and I look under the futon, and I can see this fucking key with this little white string sitting under this bed. And I'm like, holy shit, there's the key. Like, if I wouldn't have worn my shoes upstairs, I'd have never seen it because, I mean, that futon sits pretty low to the ground. But I like bent over to put my shoe on. I'm like, huh, it's right there. Well, good thing you had it because. Well, it was in your white pickup. I could, I know the code. Well, when he, you know, he spends more time in your bed than you do, he would have just asked. Oh my God. Amy, <laughs> where's Is this key happening key? on the podcast for the first time ever? <laughs> oh, inside jokes. Love them. Um, <laughs> explain the inside joke. I'm not going to explain okay. the inside joke, but. Uh, uh, I was going somewhere with this, and I just That's hey, 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 let's talk wait. about something That's that we like no, inside, no, no, inside I got joke. something to bring up for the nine million well, times inside. Are we about to talk about the same thing? No, guess, uh, guess who is not okay? Well, Ramsey, you're out. outside of Ramsey. Guess who is not also wearing another company logo on the podcast today? I have my Bull Mountain Brothers. I have a underwear. tattooed on my chest. Show me, show us right next to the Y. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, even Matt had the you know audacity. What, Sean? what? Say something. I would have my hat. I went to, but you offered hey, it to someone else. Hey, I did. <laughs> would you like to shout out? I told out? you I was going to get you another one. Why? why I'm dressed nice because we went out to if dinner. If you're listening to this, Josh, I was more than willing to give you that hat. And shut up. I'm not wearing Bull Mountain. Get muted because we went out to dinner. Now, please unmute Really good. I feel like this would have looked really good with that shirt. It's Matt's daughter's birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Macy. We are so far off the train tracks right now. It's derailed quite a bit. But, Sean, what did you and I finally do this week that we've been trying to make <laughs> do for <laughs> yeah. two months? Did uh, you guys put the stuff on the website? No. Everything's we, been on there been for... Are you, do you look at our website? What do you do? You don't have a computer and you're like out of touch with this media like, company? I, I, I'm, 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 see you, Bull Mountain Brothers. He's a working man. Fix your yeah. mic. Is your mic muted now? No. Uh, no, we uh, we did something that was a long time coming and uh, actually ordered new bow strings. Oh, yeah. It's been over a week now, I think. I don't remember. I'm just going to gamble. Uh, I got like a 50 50 chance my bow is going to work. So fuck it. I mean, it are you work. going bow hunting <laughs> yeah, this year? I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, we're going to. He's going to film him shooting a giant mule deer. Yeah, but does he need it? I'm just going to send it. Oh, I'm pretty good at just sending shit. So Did, I'm just going to. Well, send you might it. draw an antelope tag too. Fuck, Matt, I didn't draw one fucking thing. I ain't, I ain't counting on that. Matt's, Matt's the new fucking. What's that guy that drove the snowmobile around? Hey, let's uh, let's just say this for all of our viewers that are probably in the same boat for us. FWP, please just release the antelope tags. I mean, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Every hey, year, hey. oh, every no, year, I'm pissed. Every year they do it in August. I don't know what is different to you guys. I feel like when we were younger, they used to come out. Earlier. No, it's always been August. Really? Is it like, it's the first, July. No. It's the first week of August, right? Yeah. 
Or, well, I think this year it's the second week. So but. you have essentially... Well, that can't be right. Doesn't archery start the second weekend? Archery is a different draw. I yeah. already have my tag. Right, yeah. right, right. That, that draws in like uh, June. It's the it? one that comes out. I don't hate you, myself, so I don't archery hunt antelope. Dude, no, but... Uh, Sean and I are going to film me shooting a toad this year. What is the time frame on that? So arch, or rifle antelope opens in October. No. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. So it's the second to last weekend of archery. It's two weeks before deer season. Which is the second. Third. So is it the last weekend of archery that rifle antelope open? No, it's open during. So it's the archery. second. I think it's the second to last week. Oh, so it's either the first or second week of October it opens. Yeah. So it, it's open. Like that's why sometimes, that's why I remember you had to, you shot your antelope last year, so you had to carry orange with you. And after you went and hunted elk, oh no, I shot my antelope on my on the last day of antelope. Yes, yeah. Okay. Well, no, but we did went, you not go hunting? For yeah. No, we did. No, we, we did. We we archery hunted in the morning and then went up put top our on and, then and then started. So what I said was correct. No. Yes, you uh, hunter Matt. On. You said it. I just listened to the fucking well, podcast last night, and you said it's you got to have a bag full of shit because we hunt archery in the morning, and then you got to go back to the ranger, put your orange on to rifle hunt in the afternoon when it's hotter than yeah, hell. That wasn't the when incorrect I shot my part of the statement. Was it? He shot his antelope. I yes. get what it, okay. That's mood point at this point. Okay, but you're fucked. You should probably. This is an AB <laughs> conversation, Matt, and you should hey, just fuck hey, off. Hey. <laughs> He just admitted. Okay. Okay. So yes, Sean and I have our new strings finally. Um, hopefully well, you don't have them. Well, hopefully we should have them next week or the week after. When did we order? Maybe them? I'll just buy a it's new. The beginning bow of last week. It. Maybe I'll buy like. But a, then you have to shoot it because you have you're to not gonna wear the it. string in. Well, yeah, you'd have to go shoot it. And you have to say, "Don't it give me I'm, that." I'm, I'm going to shoot it with Corey once I take his yeah. zip ties off his bow. He still doesn't know that's a thing. Huh? No, he does. We've talked about it. But anyways, we're getting from the point here. So should That's be been taken care of. Um, You guys just got back from Country Jam? Under, Under the, the Big, the big sky. sky. Sorry, I don't, I don't care enough. Um, Where you guys got some cool networking done. Um, Ran into our boy, Josh Fields. Had some good good talks. Okay. Can we, can we talk about this here? Did we not mention it in that podcast that we were going up there? Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, we did. I feel like we did. I, I also mentioned, I do remember mentioning, what if we run into Josh Fields? I yeah. said that. No, that definitely happened. It's I just crazy of all people. Like You could have ran into like, I don't know, maybe one of the singers there or something. I don't know. They'd probably be like no. bombarded by people. No, See, they have like their own little campsite back behind the stage. <clears throat> Fair enough. The only I way I don't real I don't understand is how Coulter Wall got from the main stage to the secondary stage without anybody seeing him to go sing with uh, two different days. I know, but still, <laughs> Inception. Sean, he's does he teleport? <laughs> <laughs> Same way that the other artists get to that stage, which is how walking from the back. There's no back. Don't there there is a back. There's not. It's Sorry, a, they put them in a box and drove them down the road. Yeah, FedEx? Yeah. Oh. Do you, do you hear about sh that Sean shipped something out for like $27? <laughs> what now? Yeah, we got to figure something out there, boys. <laughs> he shipped a hat out and it was, shipping was like $27. Really? Seriously. Like we made a dollar on the hat. Where did you ship it to? Germany? Um, Colorado. Something's wrong because I get parts in bulk. For less than you paid shipping for that. 
it's, it was probably it's probably on Sean's end. No, let's be honest. Here. He went to like the most crooked FedEx guy in town. <laughs> it's just like it wasn't even FedEx or UPS. Maybe we should try FedEx. It's probably that fucking yellow company, huh? What's that? Dollar Dell. Dell. No, what is no. it? What is it? DHL. Expedia. DHL. Yeah. Is that even around anymore? No, that's why it's so fucking expensive. There. Bing. They no, had no, to no, restart DHL. the company and pay everybody's <laughs> wages to ship it over there. They had the UPS at back east to put on a DHL. <laughs> we just got our startup back. money, boys. <laughs> Sean Morris. seven dollars <laughs> I don't know. It was just some random guy I met on the street. So, uh, I mean, it could be. I just don't know. I don't remember what I paid for. I shipped uh, two, two hats to Missoula. I don't remember it being that much. Usually shipping goes with the fucking hat, right? Or we should start charging. Oh, I do charge hat plus shipping. I do, do, but it's like three dollars, not, not twenty-seven dollars. You sure wants, you didn't go get Taco Bell? And who wants to buy a, one fucking? Who wants to buy a sixty-dollar hat? <laughs> Sean was. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Say you guys waiting for me to talk? I don't have some major. What, where are we going? Major with this intro. Right having some major hibachi heartburn over here. Mm. Hey, by the way, the amount of antacids that you keep in your truck really That's saved phenomenal. the weekend. Yeah. You guys ate all my fuck. There was it was fun. I there was like, I could pull. There oh, was three dude, I could, separate containers. I could pull bottles out of any fucking compartment in that Duramax. Well, and then I go look for. Them I, last I also have, night, my dad's got it. my dad gets bad, so I always have them when we go out. But and they're probably mine as well. So you guys went went and done that. What, what the hell did we? Oh, you worked. I, I worked. worked all weekend. Yeah. We went to uh, Sheridan, picked Rangers up. I guess mm-hmm. that was the highlight of my week. I guess that, that was a highlight of your week. Well, the yeah, because it wasn't shady? working. You've been alone on all your work, huh? Yeah. We saw that was Matt that we saw, by the way, in the room. Oh, that was you. Yeah, yeah. Was that was oh, that that was when we we're coming back, it was right? Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. Because your where, green truck was right behind you, right? Yeah. yeah. Where, where'd you see him at? Uh, uh, where were we? By you did make the by statement today. You're like, I didn't know that people noticed my trucks really well, and I think once you've seen them, they're pretty noticeable. Well, I mean, most trucks are white, blue, or it's red. odd that he was in the passing lane too. <laughs> Yeah, super. Passing another semi. Hey, we almost... He must have been doing 55 because I'm governed at 60. When we were coming back from Sheridan, there was a... I like vividly remember like a tanker truck that was just like really in the way. I don't remember the story, but I remember... remember Did I get mad? Maybe. I don't know. I remember being mad myself. Uh, yeah. So 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 we stop at this like little bar that I recommend if you ever go to Sheridan. But... Chumley orders, he's like, I want to eat and talk. I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to try the same thing. <laughs> this guy gets a steak sandwich, and this thing just has, like, steak off, coming off both sides of the bun. And So I'm like, oh, like, shit, this this Indian taco. Well, it's like the humongous. Fiddler's Green experience. Yeah. Like, everything you see is you think it's going to be, like, gigantic. Our, uh, our Indian taco comes out, and it's, like, the size of three inches around. <laughs> I was like, huh, well, I guess I'm not going to get full for lunch. There was a carrot. Guess we're ordering a steak sandwich, too. No, it was it was fine. It was a cool little, cool little place. Yeah, but that was pretty uneventful. It's been pretty uneventful for me since 4th of July. Since you got a job? I've had a job. <laughs> I don't have a job. Since I, you got a real job, but you got to actually work? Um, no, I'm just trying to think. Like, I think it's 4th of July since we've done anything fun, probably. And this weekend's not going to be any different. Hey, 
I didn't fall asleep every night at seven o'clock on Fourth of July when we went. You stayed up. You hung. I think Amy hung more, but but you're still you're like on your phone and shit, and it was kind of. Yeah, it's really just like it just sometimes it just feels like he doesn't want us there. Like I feel like your crew's good enough. I was almost gonna go, but I wasn't invited. The fuck you weren't. You were invited on the podcast. No, I wasn't. True. Yeah, it is true. You were no. But why did you say you were gonna go and you didn't go? Because I know it wasn't because you weren't. Because we made room for you to go, and then I feel like that's a PJ statement. A what? Nothing. I didn't. No, answer the question though. We made room for you to come. I wasn't really ever like it wasn't like a thing that I was like told that I was going to do from you guys. It was. Do we have to tell you? Is that how you? Is that really how things? That's weird. (laughs) I feel like anytime we do anything in the outdoors, I feel like you're invited. I did invite you, unlike somebody else that invited himself and then just came. It's kind of like the same way I invited him to my wedding and he didn't show up. No, I get it. No, I didn't get that, but I'd like to. I like to catch it later. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get it either. What? Uh, You probably wouldn't. That's rude. I'm just saying. With this intro is falling off the rails. No, it's, yeah, it's we should probably uh, wrap our. Yeah, I. Up. We got a long. We got a long. Um, really phenomenal in depth. Um, no, we always say our interviews are phenomenal, but this one's a. Uh, this one's going to be a whole different vibe. Vibe and more education, like probably the most educational podcast I can say we've ever had. And it doesn't really revolve around the outdoors at all, which is even more interesting. But it does. It does, but it doesn't. It ties. Yeah, for sure. No, um, no, it definitely ties. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. you 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 just gonna have to listen to it, but absolutely. Yeah, we um we had a good time, just really getting educated on the subject and hearing a story. I'm gonna say there's probably about. 10 full sentences spoke by any of us. Yeah, really. And and then, you know, Jill, who was on there, she's going to joke that it was because she talked the whole time, but it was, uh, it was, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I no, think that's no. how I would have wanted that to go. Um, I know I, we, we had such, such different, uh, you know, we had the low from the interview and then we had, I think it flipped on our head for these. That's why we're joking and have a good time. But looking back on it, yeah, it's just such a serious subject. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did mention at some point in that podcast, and Matt actually brought it up, how me and Doug met. Um, and uh, to hear parts of the story and not know the whole thing and then hear it tonight, it was like really inter- like It was very interesting from my point of view. Very emotional. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And Ramsey and I are going through kind of a similar situation right now. So it's uh, even more like on yeah, the home. same page. Yeah. So... Um, Give it a listen. It's it's really awesome. I don't think you could get that kind of really. And I told Jill on the podcast, I mean, you're very intelligent, well spoken. Like it's really going to portray well um, to the listeners. And uh, so yeah, give it a listen. It's going to be a real cool experience that we can share. And hopefully, um, in the end, you guys want to support some uh, Bull Mountain Brothers raffle tickets. Um, contact us, bullmtmbrothers@gmail.com, or message one of the boys. However you can. Absolutely. So I think that's it for tonight. I don't really, I really don't want to do much more of an intro because I think it cuts into the, cuts into the interview. So, um, 
without further ado, check these guys out. Enjoy. Today we are here with special guests. Well, this is different. This is probably a different interview than we've ever done. Um, there's kind of a lot more explanation that goes into bringing these two guests in than there normally is. Um, first off, if you guys have been paying attention to the last, well, since our existence with damn near, well, since Matt's existence on the podcast, we've, this is our third fundraiser, um, raffle that, you know, we're giveaway that we're bringing in, um, a nonprofit to, and if you guys have paid attention to, um, not only the one day event we did in April, but what we've been doing with this deer hunt, uh, we're partnered with a new organization, a suicide and prevention and awareness nonprofit. Uh, the way that we got introduced to that, what my hand <laughs> every time, every time <laughs> <laughs> the way that we got introduced to that was basically family friends of yours. Yes. Um, We've got to know, well, especially you guys got to know Jill because you guys, I'll just announce uh, one of the guest names, Jill. Yeah. Um, because you guys did that one day fundraiser in April. Yep. Um, and ever since then, we've just kind of been just like all of our other relationships with anybody that comes on the podcast. We've been blossoming that friendship and understanding more of their role um, in our world. And we thought... You know, are we halfway or, or not quite halfway to the end of the raffle for the deer hunt? I think we're, we're past half. I think we're just past half. Well, we thought what a what a more wonderful time. I just totally stroked out on how to say that, but um <laughs> then to have Seems both nervous. Both Jill and her husband come on and tell our audience about their story because you know, you're halfway through the the raffle and some people might be tapering off on excitement for what's mm -hmm. going on. And this just seemed like a really appropriate time to kind of show everybody why we're doing this, you yep. know, and how we can give back to, you know, a really good organization and, and something that I'm going to be honest, I, I think really affects each and every single person um, oh, yeah. on the planet. Yep. So without further ado, we have Jill and Doug Wilson on the podcast today. Thanks. Welcome to have you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Um, we're gonna we're gonna dive right into it, and I think the the way that we start this is um, we're gonna go to the hardest part, in my opinion. And and I know Jill and I have been talking back and forth, and it's been um, you know everything I talk about is not sad or somber or anything like this, but uh, for those listening, this is probably going to be the more serious portion of the podcast. But I'd like to first off, uh, let's let's just go straight into why we're here and uh, why you're basically have the profession that you have now and and your story exactly. Okay, pretty much. Well, one of the things that brought us here was Matt called randomly out of the blue some time ago and said. We'd like to give, um, do a raffle and donate to Kev's Earth Angels for the Out of the Darkness Walk through the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. And I, I started crying, and Doug thought, what has happened? And I just kept saying, I just can't believe that. And Doug's like, what happened? What happened? And so Bull Mountain Brothers have generously donated, and you did the first raffle. And then after that happened, 
you offer to donate again, and this four-day hunt is going through to the same thing, Kev's Earth Angels, through the Out of the Darkness Walk, which is for survivors. And anyone, well, they're survivors, but they've attempted suicide. And how we got launched into this, no one grows up to become a suicide awareness educator. I There's no college education, et cetera. I started, um, we found out January 9th of 2009 that our son, who was 19, chose to take his life. And from the minute we found out, we were driving. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know where he was. We didn't know how to find him. We knew he was missing. He didn't come to work. I was blessed to be able to work with him. And he didn't show up to work one morning. And he was always there at least 15 minutes early. Didn't show up. And I just knew. I just knew in my heart. It wasn't anything that... I mean, he hadn't said that he was going to do it. You know, there hadn't been any signs that I was aware of at the time. So when he didn't show up, I tried calling his phone and he didn't answer and didn't answer. So I called um, his dad's and asked if he knew where he was because he was living with his dad. We lived in Roundup and he lived in Billings and we worked in Billings. So he didn't want to drive back and forth to Roundup every day. And his dad said he didn't come home last night. He said he took his Xbox, he took his TV, and he took my gun. And I said, I know he's gone. I said, he's gone. So I called the police. They put out an attempt to locate to try to find him. And all that day, we stayed in Billings. His brother was in the Marines, and he and his sister-in-law tried calling him all day. I tried calling him all day. We didn't want to get the friends all riled up yet until we knew, but about noon, the police were still looking for him. They sent the sheriffs to our house in Roundup. Um, nobody was able to find him. We started calling friends, and nobody knew where he was. And then the police came to his dad's house and said, hey, um, we found him. And he called and said, we were driving back from Roundup over to, we had parked our trailer because we were going to a concert at Homesteader Days. And we were driving over there because we didn't know where to go. And I had worked all day, and Doug had worked all day, and everybody was like, you should go out and look for him. And I said, if we knew where to look, we would, but we don't. So they had found him, and we still to this day don't know why he picked where he picked, but he picked this off the frontage road out by... Pompey's Pillar, and that's where they found him. At the Waco Diversion Dam. Yeah, by the Waco Diversion Dam. And we have a monument out there, kind of a, a stone that his friends put their thumbprints and family and everything. Anyway, um, so he was gone. And we, I knew the minute that they called, and Doug was driving, and I remember very vividly, when he called and said that Kevin was gone. And I said, I have to do something. What can I do? Because I never want this to happen to anybody else ever. This is the worst experience. And it was only just beginning. So I knew I wanted to do something. And so I became a suicide awareness educator. And after it happened, we called, you know, started just calling people and telling them, you know, that he was gone. But one of the things that I do and who I speak to 
um, two times a year regularly is the Community Crisis Center here in Billings. And she has me, the director, Marcy Neary, has me come and speak with the crisis intervention team. They invite me every year and um, because they wanted not only for me to share the story about the myths, the signs, and the facts about suicide and Kev's story, and I call it Kev's life journey, and there's a video called When the Journey Ends. But um, when we, when she heard my story about what happened the day that we got notified, she said, you need to come and talk to our crisis intervention group, which is made up of police, highway patrol, EMTs, dispatchers, um, mental health professionals, et cetera. Because when we found out that night, they had come to Ken, Ken's house and they had told him and he said, I need to take his driver's license. That isn't your property anymore. And he said, here's his wallet back. And then he said, um, he left a letter. And I said, so then we went over, Doug and I drove over and we went to Ken's house and we were asking you know, we picked him up and I said, well, I want to come and see him. Not that I wanted to see him. I didn't want to visually see him, but I wanted to be where he was. So the three of us were in a vehicle and I called the detective and I said, where is he? And he goes, well, you can't see him. And I said, I don't want to see him. I just want to be where he is. I said, what mortuary is he at? Where'd you take him? And he said, we didn't take him to a mortuary. He was very rude, very mean. And he said, he's you know, at the morgue. And I said, okay. And I said, well, I understand he wrote a letter. And he said, he did. He said, it was a six page letter. He said, I've seen over a hundred, a hundred of these. And he said, I've never seen a letter written so nice. And I said, okay. I said, well, I will meet you. We'll come and get it. And he said, no. And I said, what do you mean? No. And he said, well, I'm not going to give it to you right now. And I said, well, when can I get it? And he said, well, it's locked in um, the evidence box. And I said, okay. And he goes, and I'm off. So, and he goes, I won't. And this was a Friday. He said, I won't be back until Tuesday. And I said, I have to wait until Tuesday to read the last words of my child. And he said, yes. And I said, I will pay your staff. I will do whatever I can do. Anything. Please just let me have a copy of the letter. Please you know, whatever, I'll pay overtime for whoever. And he said, nope, I'm, um, I'll be back on Tuesday. You'll get it then. And he hung up on me. So when Marcy heard that story, she said, you need to come and talk to, you know, our, our group, the crisis intervention team and share Kev's life journey. And when the journey ends and just tell these people, you know, our, all of our officers and everything, just tell them what happened and share with them. And so the purpose of that is, you know, not, I cannot even imagine what they go through. I, God bless all of those people who are out there protecting us. And I can't imagine coming onto a scene like that and finding a 19 year old, you know, who has taken his life or anybody for that matter. And the hardness that you have to get, I can't imagine what that would be like. But what I ask them and beg them is, please remember that when you have to deliver this news, you're going to destroy those people's life forever through nothing you did, but you're going to, their world will never, ever be the same. So please 
step back and think about, you know, whatever. So after that happened, um, through the Out of the Darkness and the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, I knew that they were having the walk, and I randomly, and it was two weeks after it happened, I'd just gone back to work, and I ran into the lady who was at the time the director, the Montana director, Joan Nye, and she, I, I stopped her, and she was putting up posters, and I started talking to her about going out and speaking. I said, you know, and she was just like, you're so new into this, and and she related. I mean, she said... Her son had completed suicide, and she said, it is like you've lost a limb and no one notices. She said, you're never the same. You know, and we had many, many good talks about it. And she said, I said, well, I want to go out and talk about it. I said, I, I have to do something to make something positive come out of this, whatever it is that I can do. So it was probably three weeks after she called me and said, we're having a um, pre-function for the walk. Would you be willing to come and talk? And I said, absolutely. So that was my first speaking event. But in the meantime, I knew that I needed to step up to the plate and learn, you know, how to speak. I joined Toastmasters and I was in there for about seven or eight years. And I, I took a course and became certified in instructing quest, um, QPR, which is question, persuade, and refer. And then I just created my own little story, which is called Kev's Life Journey. And it starts when he was born. And I have, you know, a slideshow that talks about from the time he was born and the things that he did as far as, you know, he was citizen of the year and only one person's selected in his kindergarten and how he, you know, received two presidential academic awards of excellence and how he participated in hockey and football and bowling and hunting and fishing and all these different things. And I have the pictures of him going through the slideshow. And I just developed the story based off of his life in hopes that all the while that anybody who was listening whether they knew of someone or whether they were in the situation where they felt that they wanted to take their life, that their lives mattered and that it was important that we learn to listen to people and that we care about people because mental illness is very, very real. Um, suicide is the end all. And for many, many years, and we still live, you know, in Montana, it's not, it's becoming more talked about, but, you know, there's the mentality, you don't talk about it, you don't talk about your feelings, you don't share your feelings, you don't, whatever, and people, people such as us, we didn't know the, the signs. Um, there were, there were some signs, for instance, it, they, they say that a person who is considering ending their lives, will go see a doctor shortly before that. And Kevin had wanted to go see his doctor, um, his pediatrician. So I called, and he, he said, they said he can't come see us because he's 19. Um, they, at pediatricians, they quit seeing him when they're 18. And he had told me, he, he died in July, and in February of 2009, we were at a conference. He and I 
for work. And I was so proud of him because he it was a fair housing conference and he was so attentive and just really, you know, he wore his suit and he was just, you know, so cool to be in the meeting and watch him and everything. And then one night when I was, I was in the room and it was late and he knew I go to sleep early, but he called me like at 10 o'clock in the room and he said, mom, what are you doing? And I said, working. And I said, just because I'm at a conference doesn't mean there's still 40 hours of work still left to do. And he said, well, can I borrow a dollar for a soda? And I said, Kev, you're costing me a fortune working with me. And we started laughing because we had been jean shopping earlier and he was mad because I wouldn't pay $75 for a pair of jeans. So I said, I'm not, no, uh, yeah, I'll borrow you a soda. I said, I'll come and bring it to you. And I said, I'm surprised you called me. And he said, I said, normally I'm sleeping. And he goes, well, I figured you would be. And I go, well, then why'd you call? And he goes, because I needed a soda. <laughs> I said, okay. So I went down to his room. And and as I look back and, and the things I learned, I went into his room and every light was on and the TV was very loud. And I said, Kevin, turn the TV down. I said, this is a business hotel. People are trying to sleep or whatever. And so he did. But then he said, I have something to tell you. And I said, what? And I thought, oh, I'm going to be a grandma. <laughs> and he said, I have voices in my head. And I said, you do? And I mean, I didn't expect that. That came so out of the blue. It was, and I said, what do they say? And he said, you don't want to know. He said, I will never tell you what they say. So after that, that was our first like real heads up. And after that, um, I said, we need to get you in to see somebody, you know, let's, let's get in and, um, you know, I get, so I called around because I had spoke to, um, or I had friends that worked like at the boys and girls ranch and friends that just worked in industries that knew, you know, counseling people and stuff. And I, I had called around and said, okay, you know, do you, ha do you know of anybody, you know, I know somebody who's, you know, having these issues or whatever. And the, I got the name of three different people. So he, I gave him the names. And because he was 19, I couldn't go, you know, make him go because he had to do his own stuff. And so one day, shortly before he died, I said, have you called anybody? You know, and I kept on him and he said, no, and I'm not going to. He said, I will not be on meds. I will never go on meds. And, and we talked about one of his friends who was paranoid, schizophrenic, and was on meds. And I said, look how good that person is doing. And he said, I don't care. I'm not going to do that. So, you know, one thing led to the, another. And, you know, as you look back now, you go, okay, well, there were signs. Um, and then just the one day he left work early asked if he could leave early, and I was on the phone, and I shook my head yes, and then he called later and said he wasn't coming back after lunch and asked what he should tell our boss, because I was his supervisor, but I said, you need to call her and tell her you're not coming back today. And he said, what do I tell her? And I said, Kevin, just tell her you're sick. And he goes, well, I'm not. And I said, you're having a bad voice day. You know, tell her. And I said, 
we need to get you in to see somebody. And he left and we never saw him again. So I just knew that I wanted to go out and share his story and open it up for anybody who would listen so that they could talk about their stories or share or realize that there's help out there and that life does go on. It's, you know, suicide is a permanent fix to a temporary solution. And even just recently, I just talked to a friend that I had no idea. They just told me, I'm a survivor. And I said, you are? And they said, yeah, several years ago, they had tried to kill themselves. The EMTs say that their life. And they said, I'm standing here because they saved my life. And he said, there's nothing better than life. And I was just, I mean, I started bawling. I was like, it, and, and there's so many stories like that. If you go to the out of the darkness walk, as long as that we've been going, and we've been going for 14 years, if you go to the Out of the Darkness Walk, every year it increases. And it's very sad and it's very hard for us to go because you know every person there is directly affected by suicide. Whether it was them that tried or whether it's, you know, there's people that are wearing T-shirts in memory of so-and-so and in memory of so-and-so, and it's getting larger and larger. And one of the things I do when I speak is Carl Rostin is um, the suicide prevention coordinator for the state of Montana, and he's also a coroner. So for many years, I reach out to him whenever I'm going to speak, and I say, I ask him, what's our latest stats for Montana? And I reached out to him yesterday to ask what they were. And he said, right now, in the state of Montana— any guess for this year where we might be at how many people have killed themselves? Um, halfway through the year. Um, it's, uh, <clears throat> I, I couldn't give you a guess. Okay. I, I know it's whatever number you're going to give me is going to be higher than, than it should be and then uh, more than we could probably imagine. Well, in Montana, right now, it's 150. But the last time I got the stats from him was May 10th. So I looked at that and it was 86. And in two months, that many more people have killed themselves. And I was, I just started crying. I just do every time I read the number because I just, it is I, so unnecessary. And there's so many people out there hurting. And so since I've, I've started talking, you know, and sharing Kev's, and it, it is amazing to me still after 14 years, how many people will be sitting in the, not, I mean, generally, there's one of somebody who knew of Kevin or knew Kevin or even now, you know, I'm I'm thinking, I understood at the beginning, but it's so heartwarming to have people come up and share stories about him because the stories are over, you know, I mean, we it's don't all get, you have. Yeah, it's all we have. And there's no more pictures. There's no more whatever. But um I don't want anybody else to have to go through that, and they don't have to. And I don't want anybody to feel that their life is not worth it. It is so very worth it. And so by Bull Mountain Brothers taking this on and helping us donate, American Foundation of Suicide Prevention has done so much, and you know they're they they're doing tons of research. The education is there. They're they're the people who have 
got mandatory suicide or um, education into the schools. It didn't used to be, and now they they have to train on suicide education. And they've the nine eight eight number that you can call. You know, you call nine one one if something, but you call nine eight eight if you're suicidal. They've got numbers for the veterans. They've you know, and and it's just the money goes to help educate. There's tons. You go on their website right now, the AFSP.org, and it will show um, there's people's stories that are there to help people on how the survivors, on how they got through, how their husband died or their child died or whatever. And after Kevin had died, the year after Kevin died, there's a conference, um, there's, there's a group, and it's called Unmet. Umbrella Ministries, and a mom started it down in California when she lost her child, and it is for moms who've lost their child to any means. And so I said, I have to go to this conference. I didn't know anybody. I just, I had to go. I just felt compelled to go. And it's God-based. <laughs> it was there to help moms heal and you, I walked in and I, I sat. They pair you up as moms. There's, there's a lot of moms there, but like if your child died in an accident or your child died by an illness, cancer or whatever, um, if your child died by suicide. So they paired us up to have these support groups and talk amongst ourselves about our children. And the suicide one was the largest one. And it it has been, I, I then um, became involved, it came to Montana, and I was a facilitator of the suicide group, and I sat and listened to these different stories. And while losing your child is the worst thing that could any, happen to anyone, in my opinion, it, you know, it's just been beyond words to sit and listen to other people who had lost more than one child or lost a husband and a child or a wife and a child, you know, uh, it wasn't, it was just moms, but, and to hear the stories and it's like, this is so unnecessary. And so, you know, and, and one of the things that at the time that Kevin died, our oldest son was in the Marines. So he wasn't, around he was stationed in california i mean they came home and everything and they spent all that time but i felt it was very very difficult to have him away and not be able to and you think people always ask the parents you know how are you doing how are you doing how are you doing we had a fabulous support fabulous fabulous support system but and we still do and but i just kept thinking of my son, and he lost his brother, and who's looking out for him, where he was, and what's his state of mind, and I didn't get to have the conversations, the one-on-one, you know, and I mean, the Marines instantly, you know, they, if something like that happens, they, they look out, and they try to take care of you, but I just know I learned, and I've learned from other people, like with the siblings, people always ask the parents how you're doing, but then the siblings kind of get pushed aside or whatever. And I had a woman who came to me. I I used to work in property management, so I spoke to a lot of different properties. And I was at a senior facility one day, 
And this woman came up after I shared the story, and she said that she was 87 years old. And she said, I just would like to talk to you for a moment. And I'm always open after we I do my talks to, for anybody to come up. And there's always a group of people that want to come up and share their story. And I'm blessed to hear them. But she came up and she said, she was the sibling. And she said, I'm 87 years old. And she said, when I was seven years old, my brother killed himself. And she said, my parents, the day after, said you will never mention his name. They cleaned out his room. She said we were never to talk about him again. And she said, this is the first time I've talked about him since. And there was another woman that was her friend standing there. And she said to the lady, her name, she said, you have lived here for 17 years, and I have lived here for 15, and I never even knew that. And she said, you just gave me the opportunity to finally talk about it. I was like, that was 80 years ago. And so not to that extreme, but I've heard a lot of stories like that, that people, you know, or they'll come up and they'll go, my, my whomever is struggling. I have had, and I, I've been really blessed. I probably hear from somebody at least once a month. Least Would you please month, talk yeah. to so-and-so or this just happened to so-and-so, but... I've had parents call me, and and I'm just a mom. I'm not a counselor. I just a mom, a mom who lost her child to suicide, and you know all I can do is just listen and pray for them to be able to, um, you know, help their child get the help that they need. And when Kevin died, I put in. I wasn't going to. You know, you read some obituaries, and it leaves you with the question. Did they kill themselves or, oh, they killed themselves or whatever. I, I said in the obituary, he killed himself. And I, I had, Kevin had over 400 people at the funeral. And, you know, all these kids came and parents and everything, and very supportive. And this one mom came up to me and she, she stood in line with, I mean, in the line, we were there for two hours, you know, talking to people at the end. And, um, this mom came up and she said, thank you so very, very much for putting in that he'd killed himself because she said, my child came to me and said, I feel the same way Kevin did. And I've, I've had stories like that that people have said, you're very open. And then at the end of when I talk, I've had people say, how do I go home and talk to my child about this. I know they're struggling. And I don't, I'm, I'm just a mom. I said, my only suggestion is take Kev's story. Go home and say, I heard about this child today. And this is what happened and whatever. And I've gotten messages, you know, over the years that the people have done it. I've had people come and say, I know my child is suicidal. I say, take your guns out of the house. Um, you know, get rid of any pills that you see, you know, I try to help them and it isn't things that people think about, you know, and it just is, you know, keeping the child safe and, or not even the child. I mean, any person, any, any person that has been in that situation, it's just, um, so anyway, I became a suicide awareness educator and we, we walk every year and we, um, just are the survivors, yeah, and we just 
go through and just go through and live the day. Scampism. But that's what we do. And you guys, the support that you've given us, still just never know how much we appreciate it. And and when's your guys' walk this year, Jill? It's gonna look. I think it's Such like week. September eighteenth. It's a Sunday. Um, Second week. I'll have to look. Sorry, okay. but it's in September. Okay. It's on a Sunday, it's and it's at Will James. And you know there isn't. You can register and have your own team. You can register on our team. You don't have to register. Just show up and. You know, it's very big. They have people that talk um, about their experiences. You know, they try to have, um, you know, they've got, it's, it's, they try to have it as, and I don't want this to sound crass, but like a festive environment they try to have. Like a family, and get the family thing. Yeah, very much a family thing. They got face painting and, you know, they, they have different stuff, but um, yeah, it's in, and it, and Kev's Earth Angels is the name of our team, and that's, that's who your donations go to, and um, I, I have benefited very much because when I go out and speak, there's brochures that are, um, you know, if you're a survivor, if, you know, how to plan financially if you're a survivor, there's what to do if you know someone's suicidal. There's all these brochures and stuff that I can hand out um, through the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, you know, that are available. And they have different training programs um, that, they, that they do. They have a, um, a, a support group, a survivor support group <laughs> um, that you can go to two times a month. That are it, that's just survivors of suicide, and they, you know, just advocate for for people, and you know, they're in our legislation pushing mental health all the time. And one of the hardest things, you know, that I I get asked is, you know, especially in rural Montana, you know, and we lived in Roundup for a long time there, and. It's everywhere. There just is not enough mental health workers to help people. And it's it's very unfortunate. And I wish there was an answer to help that. But I just feel that every, if every one of us are really watching people and looking out for people that we're close to or looking for the signs or whatever, you know, to have the hard question, are you su suicidal? And if you can't ask it, find somebody who can because when people if if you directly approach somebody are you suicidal and the person answers yes and if the person who's listening doesn't roll their eyes or doesn't say to them that's a stupid idea or whatever if they're open to listening to them that person who's suicidal feels so much better that there's somebody there that's listening and understanding do you feel like in Montana, a lot of people don't ever think this could happen to them? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know so much in Montana. I just, people just don't think. And smaller, like, you know, smaller communities, because it's, it's almost like taboo to talk about, you know, and. Uh, well, that's what they said on uh, suicide <laughs> statistics, that 
there really isn't a true statistic because coroners will not in these small towns um, write on the uh, certificate suicide because they don't want to offend the family or upset people. And so, you know, I think the number is a lot larger than we realize. And Well, and that's what Carl, when Carl got involved in it, and he said, and he said the reason I did was because he said, you live in a town of 40, you're the county coroner or 400 or whatever, and you know the evidence of that so-and-so crashed their car in the wall and you know that they meant to do it. Is it easier to just say it was a car accident or have to go tell the family that the person killed themselves? And he said, so the the statistics were getting skewed, you know, so now they're, they're really, you know, to try and make it accurate and be able to help people, you know, really looking out for, you know, we have such a horrendous drug problem and, you know, people are just losing their minds. Well, on behalf of Bull Mountain Brothers, I can tell you we're so blessed to be able to donate to you guys Absolutely. and be partnered with you guys. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's in 70 episodes, uh, is the first time I've ever had a hard time coming up with things to say. So um, forgive us for that. But um, a couple questions I have just, just off the top of my head is, is it, it is true that suicide is a leading cause of death in the United States, correct? Well, well it's like number three. Oh, it is number three. Okay. But still, I mean, that's Isn't it number one. Well, Montana's number it's, one. Yeah. Montana is still number <laughs> one in that stat. Yeah. And well, you were speaking on, um, when you talk to someone that you think might be suicidal and you ask them, say, hey, are you suicidal? Do you think that there's um, a large percentage of those people that um, would, like, deny it to you and and deny that help? Like, what do you do in that, that circumstance? If, like, you can genuinely see that someone is probably hurting in some way, but they're denying all of it, is there is there kind of a route for someone in that position? Well, that's when you start to get other people involved. You have to, you know, if if you know and you start to see, for instance, um, I have to make sure that this isn't, for instance, we have an acquaintance that um, we ended up connecting with and this person really felt that this person was starting to struggle and it was in a school district type environment and they went to the teachers and said hey this person is struggling starting to fail etc and you know the group of teachers felt that this person was just being lazy and whatever but this other person you know the 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 one teacher felt no this isn't this isn't that i the grades are dropping didn't used to be that way etc and, you know, went to the whole group of teachers. And then how we ended up connecting was because he heard our story and he said she ended up killing herself. So, um, you know, but the other teachers thought it was, you know, just being, you know, neglectful or whatever. So, so when a person really starts to see that, you know, whether... Like, for instance, when I said there were signs which we didn't know, you know, Kevin Kevin bought his dream vehicle. So he was working and he, he you know, was paying a large, 
he sucked at driving and run to wrecked a lot of vehicles. So he <laughs> had very high insurance and he had um, a Tahoe that he bought that was his dream vehicle. So he had his car payments and stuff. And he said, um, one day he, he, he said, I'm going to Roundup. I'm going to show him my friends, my vehicles, whatever. Well, when he came home, he said, last time I'm ever going there. And I said, really? Well, I kind of thought, because some of them had kind of started getting into drugs and stuff. And I thought, oh, good. He's growing up, you know, wants to be. I didn't think anything about it until the day after he died and all of his friends came over and they said they would text him and he wouldn't text back. Um, the video that we have, my friend, David Scott Smith, he's a... Um, professional video photographer, photographer, whatever it's called. Sorry, David. But um, he he agreed to do a video. He knew I wanted to go do this um, teaching and stuff. And I said, well, I kind of have an idea of what I'd like to do. And, and then he said, well, I have this idea of this video. And I said, you roll with it. You know how to do all of this stuff, just whatever. So Kevin's friends, Chad was supposed to come up, but their vehicle broke down. And and but his friends from Roundup all came over, and we didn't have cell service where we lived. And all these kids came out, and they spent eight hours at our house because of Kevin talking about how the suicide affected him and what they would do if they knew somebody was going to do that. And um. I don't know why I was telling you that story. But um, with it, you know, they learned and we learned. The kid said we'd text him. He wouldn't text us back. I didn't know he was pulling away, which is one of the signs. If they start to take a whole different group of friends or they don't want to, things that used to interest them, they don't interest them anymore. Um, you know, we just didn't know that that was you know, what happened. And then one of the kids that actually was in the video and, you know, one of Kevin's friends had really struggled and he got into drugs and then he got clean and did really well. Well, then um, several years later, his dad had called him and said he was going to kill himself. And he lived up in Roundup and did it while he was on the phone with his son. And then his son killed himself shortly after. So it, I mean, in that small group of people, <laughs> three people right there, Kevin and then um, his friend and his dad, that had just all, and, and it, it just is everywhere. And there were signs for all of them. And, you know, you just have to look and learn and know the signs. And that's what I try to train. And that's, um, especially in the property management field, I... When I worked there and I would go train, especially in the senior field, the property managers that worked at the senior field in the senior properties would <clears throat> call me or send me messages after that they said, we noticed so-and-so was getting rid of everything that they had. So I pulled them in and had a conversation and found out they said they weren't going to be around much longer. And well, it was because they were going to take their life. So there's a lot of things you can look out for um, that you wouldn't, you know, I mean, it's one thing if it happens a day or two where somebody doesn't want to hang around with their friend because, you know, they're mad at them or whatever. But um, if you really start to see some change, you know, I, I, I commend 
the people that are in tune with the people that are around them and really pick up on it, especially parents who I've had many parents that have said, I feel this is going to happen. Um, and and have picked up with their kids and had the really hard conversation, but it's turned out for the good. So what does your what does your day to day look like now? What what is, um, I mean, like what what are you doing every day now, as far as out of the darkness goes, um, in your relationship with this uh, hard to talk about subject. Well, I, I every, I mean, I, I post, we go out to Kev's site and, you know, it's just off the frontage road. It's on a frontage road and it's just a pull off. And so we take the weed eater out there and Doug weed eats and cleans it all up. And we, you know, that his friends go out still to this day. Well, we it's, change it with the seasons. Yeah. We change it with the seasons. We go out and, and, um, you know, we have solar lights or we have different things, but the friends will come out and they'll put cocktails and it's cool because nobody's bothered it all these years. You know, it just kind of is building and stuff. And so I post on Facebook, you know, went out and saw Kev or, you know, I'll post, I mean, sunrises and sunsets me the world to us. They're everything because first of all, when you lose your child, you want them here on earth, but to know he went with God and he's living living the perfect life, you you say, well, a, mo a mom can't give him any more than that. So I know that he's looking at the sunrises and sunsets and, it, you know, I mean, you guys, you see him, it's, it's it, the words there, it's just stunning. So when I see those and I'll post in the mornings, you know, like, you know, Kev, Kev is seeing this in a whole different you know, view or whatever. I, you know, I don't, I just, I don't let his memory die. People know that I'm a suicide awareness educator. They, um, you know, if, if I'm asked to speak, I try to um, speak whenever, you know, I can, because I also work full time. But, you know, the first thing when I wake up, the alarm goes off and it's like, and I minus a child. It's my thought every single day. And, and and it just is. I mean, you know, I don't, I, you know, I, I still live life. I mean, we live life. We go and do a lot of things. But it was really hard for the first couple of years because I felt I shouldn't laugh or I shouldn't, you know, I just, it was a, it was a, a hard thing. And, and I talked to other people who have lost their, you know, family members, any of them. For any reason, not just suicide, and you just it just changes your whole dynamic, and you don't know what you should do next. But, but I, um, I I just go about, you know, I I listen to people. Um, I'm happy to talk to people. I have every place I've ever worked since. Since well, I've only had two jobs since it happened, but. <laughs> People know I am, and I've had people come and talk to me um, about their situations at where I'm at now and at where I was before because they know I'm a suicide awareness educator. You know, and I had a big poster, you know, about the the fishing poster for the hunting and stuff to sell the raffles. And so it opens up for people 
you know, and, and so when people are struggling, they, they will send them to me and ask me, not that I'm any wisdom person, I'm just a mom who, you know, tries their best to help people. I want people to live. But we see them every day through nature. I mean, bald eagles are very, very special to us. Um, when we found where his site was, the first thing we seen was a bald eagle. And, uh, yeah, and they say it gets easier time. Things get easier over time. That's a very big falsehood. It's, uh, there's just no new memories. Well, well, the thing, thing I, I see the, the most is, uh, like for Bull Mountain Brothers, this is probably one of our hardest podcasts I can honestly say I've ever, ever had to sit through. Um, but the way you talk and the way you, you guys go about it, you make it easy to listen to. But I really feel like you're keeping Kevin's life alive. You know, like you said, there's no new memories, but the memories you guys do have and friends and stories Chad's told me. And it's uh, it's a pretty hard thing. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're you're keeping them alive. And that's that's huge. Well, one of the first things she said to me was, I don't want anyone to ever forget. And, uh, I mean, he's with us every day, so. Mm -hmm. Well, and, yeah. and I have to commend his friends. I mean, yes. and Chad, Chad's one of them. He has several friends that have never forgotten us, and they still keep in touch with us, you know. Um, my our son and daughter-in-law, when his birthday comes around, they have cupcakes. And, you know, it's just, he's not forgotten. Our grandkids, we have talked, you know, I mean, we've Numerous been very times. frank with them about, you know, Kevin and what happened and, you know, very open about it and stuff. And, you know, they're, the one was only three and the one was three months. <coughs> and, you know, of course, he doesn't remember them, but... um well, they probably neither one of them remember, but, you know, his memory's alive and they know. I mean, they know they'll say, you know, we'll say. It's their oh. Uncle Kevin. Mm-hmm. They know. Yeah. Um, like Matt said, it's just been, been a different uh, way to go about this. But I think that the most important thing that anyone can gather from this podcast tonight is um, to have someone like Jill and, and Doug here that can that can explain this in a way that because um, I think there's two different spectrums or it's probably several different spectrums of people that like when you talk about the word suicide because suicide out loud is kind of a harsh thing to say like it's it's a, one of those things where people don't want to talk about it out loud and I think you have people that are on one side of the spectrum of um, I'm tough um, that's for um, I, without uh, I'm trying to say this without like coming off insensitive, but uh, like uh, you're a wuss or, and then you have the people that have um, been impacted by it that are really hurt and, 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 and themselves in a dark place because of it. Um, and then there's a couple different, I would say variations of people that would understand suicide. And I think what's important is you guys are able to uh, display it in a way that um, we can have, sit down and have a conversation about it. Uh, not, um, I mean, of course, yes, there was emotional times and um, uh, but at the same time I, I felt, I learned a lot and I actually got to step into and just the well, we've been here for 52 minutes 52 minutes I, I got to step into your guys' lives for a second um, and and get to know 
Kevin in a little way. Um, so I think that that's, that's kind of been my favorite um, part of this podcast tonight. And I, I thank you guys for coming on and, and anyone that um, is listening right now. Um, well, I, one, one time before, cause we are going to switch gears here because um, there is another part of this uh, conversation that um, is a little less somber, but um, is a more, um, interesting. I would say interesting part that's really cool and connected to us. But um, can you give us one last time where someone can, um, if they're if they're needing help and looking out for help, uh, some places they can get it just just right now. So um, if you're listening and you need to reach out or anything like that, uh, go ahead. Absolutely. Um, if you live in Billings, there's a community crisis center that is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can go there, and that that's what they're there for. They're there to. They're the triage before you go to the emergency room, and they're they're very gifted people there who will help you um, make that next step to getting the help. There's 988. You can call 988 whether you are suicidal or you have somebody that is. There's there it's manned 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They um they'll answer actually i've been asked it used to be an 800 number and when i speak one time somebody asked me have you ever called that number and i was like no i haven't been suicidal i know and then i thought here i'm preaching this all the time telling people to call this number what does happen when you call it so essentially what happens is you're you call it and it's relays to the area where you are and there's these phone centers of um skilled professionals that are there to answer whoever's calling 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then you can text um, MT741741 and that you'll instantly get somebody that will um, talk to you so you can call. Um, and if you're a person who knows somebody who's going to kill himself, you know, for whatever, call 911 immediately and send somebody to... Um, you know, go check on that person. Don't wait for somebody to, you know, end up end up ending their lives. But on, on the other hand, with that, if somebody does do it and you've tried to help them, that is not on you. And I, I hear this a lot that, you know, from different people who didn't know that their husband was going to do it or their dad or whatever, and that, you know, they've they they knew that they were depressed, but they didn't know it was that bad. It's a mental illness. Just like you can't cure cancer yourself, you can't cure mental illness. It's an illness. It is a true, in fact, illness that is in a person's head. And while it isn't something that you can, you know, I mean, as diagnosed like cancer or whatever, it's it's a mental illness. And it is not your fault if you weren't able to help that person. No matter who you are, no matter how hard you try, it it's something bigger than all of us. Awesome. Thank you. I think that's valuable information to anyone that's listening. Um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, you, we all would have to agree that it, it's touched, suicide's touched everyone in, in some certain way, whether um, it's personal things you've gone through, um, family members, friends, or anything like that. And I think that as long as you guys know the information, there's tools out there um, to, to help. Um, and before we switch gears, I did remember one little question I had. Um, tying tying in with that, um, you know, we kind of talked about uh, a lot of the harder stories. Uh, um, 
people that ended up, you know, you saw the signs and you missed the signs and stuff like that. But uh, do you have any uh, monthly or yearly stories of where um, you hear like something um, turn the other direction uh, where someone was um, in a bad place and maybe through the crisis center or your own education or something like that, you hear some sort of some people getting help. Uh, oh, absolutely. The, the friend that I was just talking about who years ago, I had no idea. And they told me they were a survivor. I have many, many success stories and every single one of them says they are glad they chose, chose life. I have never had anybody um, not to say, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, unrealistic there's probably still people struggling because there just is but every person that i personally know that i know has attempted to take their life and has lived is very thankful and they said you get over that if you can get through that um time you know or if you can the people who have to take meds who are so down and they don't want to take them and it's hard because especially with teenagers they don't want to you know, be taking the meds and stuff. And so they start to feel better for a little while and then they go off of them and then it just goes right back down. But people that I know that are on meds and have been on meds for years, they know if they've, you know, start to go off of them, they start to go down and then they get back on them. And it's just, you know, like you take high blood pressure medicine if you have high blood pressure for the rest of your life. So you take your mind isn't right. You take that pill every day for the rest of your life so that you can be functional. And yeah, I've had a lot of people that have have shared with me their stories and they're very glad to be alive. And I believe that very much. Um, I think there's a lot of to, to, to digest, digest. Uh, Third time's uh, a term. Throughout the podcast here. And so I think like I'm, I'm struggling personally trying to like, and I, you're such a, you're very well spoken, Jill, um, and 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 very intelligent. So every time I get ready, to, I'm like, because I actually at the very beginning I was going to ask you, uh, tell us a little bit about Kevin, and then you went right into it, and uh, um, that was a really good hour of talking. She's um, definitely, you've definitely answered. I've had a few questions that have been rolling through my mind, but as you've just been speaking, it's like, oh, there's the answer. There's the answer. So I guess I have a question for you guys. Uh, kind of change the script a little bit can you guys give us some uh of your best stories with kevin like like i, I know there's got to be so no, many of them but there's some we don't really want to dig up but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no there's 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 good stories we had a lot of good times together because like, like kevin i he came into my life when he's one year old and uh i mean i watched him take his first steps and uh had him, he was shooting. And the when he'd go to the bathroom and he'd have to poop, he'd say, "Dog, I'm done." Yeah, my my favorite story is probably I ended up buying Doug's boat here, what five years ago, yeah, something like that, yeah, something like four, that. Or five. Four, four or five, and uh, it was the boat that Chad and kevin were on a lot during a really bad storm that's all i hear about is this really bad storm that they went through on the lake and and uh you know now now chad's older and he's like i don't ever sell that boat that's my boat well i think we took a misstep you know? tonight i'm sorry to interrupt your story but um 
last year about this time, we had a Lodge Crew episode with Lodge Crew member Chad Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Chad is who we're referencing this this yes. whole night. We've, we've, we missed on that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, Chad, and it's, it's crazy how our worlds are, are really wrapped here. But yeah, so Chad that everyone um, had previously met a year ago um, is the friend of Kevin. And yes. and this is whole the whole... Uh, and the first time you here. met Doug, I think, is when we went out. I was, I was just going to uh, get... I don't want to interrupt your story, though. I'll yeah. get into that next if you want to finish what you're saying. No, no. no that I was good? Was, well, was what I was going to say was, uh, yes, uh, I want to say that was two or three years ago. Uh, I met Doug for the first time. And obviously, this was just your classic... You just show up to a hunting camp and there's some some new friends, some new guys. Um, and I really look back and we had a great time. I think we had, I had oh, a great I had time. A blast. I talked about it often. Yeah. And uh, I do remember specifically um, just as well as you guys were able to tell your story tonight that uh, you spoke to me a little bit about that, that trip. Um, Cause you actually showed me um, where the, uh, you guys, the, the, the spot for that Kevin has on the side of the, oh, yeah. over there. Um, so I had heard that story prior tonight, actually, which is, um, interesting to hear the in-depth part of it, but um, that story, me being me saying that is uh, you're an outdoorsman, um, and it sounds like Kevin was also quite the outdoorsman. We have, um, and Ramsey will show. We actually Sean's computer just died, so we can't show him on the screen right now. But Ramsey will. Don't edit, worry, I'll put him. He'll in. edit in all the pictures um, on the video version, uh, like right now, and um, you'll get to see Kevin's outdoor adventures, Doug's outdoor adventures. Um, but yeah, let's, let's kind of dive into that. Let's talk about maybe, uh, your, your hunting stories now, or maybe some, some stories you had with Kevin, I think would be uh, really cool. Well, Kevin and his brother, Nathan, they both, uh, Kevin was shooting a pellet gun down in the basement when he was three years old (laughs) and, uh, with permission. (laughs) Yeah. We, this was the biggest instigator. Yes. Yeah. Targets and yeah, you know, you gotta have guns, you gotta be outdoors. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Kevin was around guns his whole life, and uh, and I never locked up a gun ever. And, but you know, the blessing was he didn't take one of mine in a sense. But um, yeah, he caught his first trout. We don't have those pictures, do we, darn it? Uh, at Cooney, I sent it to him the yeah, one at yeah. Cooney, the the one with the little kid oh, okay oh you do have it. yes 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 we'll put that right now yeah we were at cooney and been fishing about an hour and he had a mickey mouse bobber i just tossed behind the boat the red boat yeah and uh pretty soon the bobber disappears i make him reel in it was, it was a two pound rainbow it was one of the bigger rainbows back in the day out of there and uh He'd get it in the boat, and he looks at me, and he goes, I got my fish. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you little stinker. Let me catch one. No, we need to go. He spent the rest of his life telling Doug, remember that day that we went fishing, and you didn't catch any, and I caught the biggest one? (laughs) He definitely had a plan, then. He's like, I'm going to catch a fish, and then we're out of here. And on the subject of the boat, he loved to shoot carp. We'd go down the yellowtail and shoot carp. and, And I think there's... You probably he sent them that. too, I sent yeah. That too of, of Chad, I think Chad was on the boat with shooting too. Well, no, that was Josh and Kev when oh, well, the was one. Josh, mm-hmm. The one thing that I did gather from the pictures that we that we went through was uh, it does seem like he was uh, quite into being an archer, uh, which we yeah, relate to on a, on a big level here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, him and I, we both shot up at the Rod and Gun Club in a league, and. Uh, he won Big Sky State games. Yeah, he won. Wow. Yeah, wow. He got a gold medal in that. 
Um, he really, he, I, he never killed anything with a bow. Um, and I'm pretty limited with the bow myself in killing animals. But uh, no, he, he liked to hunt. And uh, another good story is uh, one morning I'm at work and he's at home. We lived in Roundup. He's 13 years old or 14 maybe. And I get a phone call. Go answer it. I just shot a doe. I got my tag filled. I got it gutted and it's hanging up and I'm on my way to school. Click. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was one of the most proudest moments of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, wow, you got it hung up? And he says, I didn't get it skinned, but I got it hung up. And I was like, you know. Yeah, he called me at work and he goes, I just had the proudest moment. Oh my God, you'll never believe blah, blah, blah. And, he's, and he was almost like crying. And I'm like, what happened? And he told me, he goes, I just, yeah. and I could hear him beating his chest. I'm just so damn proud. <laughs> No, that's amazing. That's a, I mean, really, there's not a lot of 13 year olds anymore that could solo. I the, definitely don't think there's a lot out there that could do that. Him and his antelope, and that's Chad with him. They, uh, we were hunting out east here, and I drop him off and say, All right, I'm going to drive around the corner here and I'll see if I see any antelope. Pretty soon I hear boom, boom, go down there, and here they are with this nice little buck. And, nice. Oh, very nice. Yeah, you know, he, he's pretty, he's very independent, child. I mean, he would Very. go do his own thing. And, uh, you know, I know you guys work on four-wheelers and everything. After he was gone, some of the stories I heard about when he'd get home from school and get on my four-wheeler, it's like, I'm just amazed it still runs. <laughs> <laughs> and I never knew, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Well, he was in, uh, you know, where you guys are living. That's that's kind of like an outdoorsman kingdom over there. That's, you got everything you can do over in, oh, uh, over in this area. Cool. And where we live now, we still can, too. You know. But that was the thing. He was a freshman in high school, and he went to Weston Billings, and Chad lived down the street. Him and Chad were inseparable. Um, like, every morning, he would go down, and Amy had hair product. He would do, you know, the hair prepping, both of them. That was a big ritual every single morning. And they were together. They were just inseparable. They did everything together, and then... We started looking at houses, and I found that house out in Roundup, and I said, well, this would be my dream house. I'd move there. And Kev came over and looked at the picture, and he goes, I'd, I'd move there, too. He said, and I thought, yeah, okay, well, whatever. That's easy to say, you know, when you're friends and you're used to billings or whatever. We left, and we went to look at that house, and the people invited us in and showed us around the house and everything. And we were driving back, and... He said, if we could move there, he said, he goes, I'd go to school there. He said, I'd love to live there. He said, I can hunt, you know, I can ride the four-wheeler, I can um, participate in sports and roundup and, you know, do all of this different stuff. And Doug was driving the car, and he turned around, and he looked at him, and he goes, are you serious? And, you know, a couple months later, we moved there, and it was just like, he's, he was like, I can do all of this stuff and be you know, outdoors, and he did. Yeah, that's one of the hardest parts. You know, I, uh, I hunted in the crazies, and uh, they only gave full five bull tags forever. And uh, and she, he never lucky enough to draw a tag. You know, that's something that probably could have happened eventually, you know. And who knows the other hunting stories we would get. And, uh, and fishing. I mean, they, they both loved the outdoors. Kevin, when the, uh, his note, he had special words for me about the outdoors. And 
it was pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, well, that's very special. That's uh, we talk all the time about the impact that, and unless you're a person that can experience it, you'll never really understand. You know, I, I think that uh, us as Montanans and outdoorsmen, there's a small percentage of what you get to experience in the outdoors, and uh, people don't really know how special it is and and how it can impact someone. Uh, until you, until you're a part of the mm-hmm. a part of the outdoors, so and I know, and I've been questioned. You know, what did you do with your guns? Did you get rid of all your guns? You know, uh, are they all locked up? You know, we're Montanans. Um, if I lock the gun up, if you want it, you're going to get it. And uh, you know, we're very pro gun. Um, a lot of people look at you like, well, your son shot. He's my stepson. Shot himself, and I was like. Yeah, but it wasn't the gun's fault, you know. Yeah, and he's, you know, I mean, he does have them locked up, but but the gun locks and stuff I train, get the gun lock. Um, it gives that, and, and I do know a story where somebody was ready to kill themselves, and what stopped them was there was a gun lock, and it gave them that moment of, wait a minute, what am I doing? So he's got his, you know, locked up. But people are, they. I get asked that probably when I, because I open up after I speak, I say, you can ask me any question you want. And believe me, I have been asked every, some of the, sometimes people will say like, what have they asked you? And they're just like astonished. And I'm like, I am there for whatever curious mind wants to know. And people will say, so are you against, you know, hunting and guns and all of that? And I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's another education thing. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, if a person is desperate to kill themselves, there's any, even walk out in front of a car or whatever. Yeah, there's a right. lot of ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. You just pray that it doesn't. Right. No, I think that's a good point to make. I remember um, we spoke about it the other day that you wanted to make that statement, and it, I thought about it, and it was, um, yeah, that's a good point. You don't really think about that part of the things like would you be against the guns and uh but you make a great point about the educational point um you know you could go walk out in front of a bus like you said um are you going to start are you going to stop going on the bus you know that kind of thing and uh um that leads you to a lot of good points you know when uh you know if you were to be afraid of the gun because the thing um, and afraid of, you know, people could, yeah, a knife could do something just as easily. Uh, education is the most important thing. Understand how you, the importance of the safety reasons and uh, the stuff like that um, and to not be afraid of it. Well, and if it wasn't for a gun, I wouldn't have these memories. Exactly. I wouldn't right. have what I, what I need, you know. The outdoors can bring people together. I mean, just it's unbelievable what it can do, just sharing stories and uh, the word that we always use on the podcast, but camaraderie that comes with um, any outdoor activity, whatever it is, is, it's just amazing. And this is on such a heightened level when I say this, but uh, along with that, we talk about like um, some of my greatest memories, even with the people of this room, like some of the ones I cherish the most are the ones that we had in the outdoors. And you see it on such a heightened level with Doug here. Um, that's some of the things that I, I'm gathering you cherish the most currently. Well, and and, and like like you guys said, where, where you hit on the the nail there about guns. I mean, today's the day one of my best friends, his dad shot him seven years ago today. And, uh, you know, but if it wasn't for that gun, I had the memories I had with Wes while I was alive. 
but when I go hunting a lot of the time, you know, um, I'll end up taking the SKS out and that was Wes's gun. You know, that was his main gun was the SKS. And it brings back every one of those memories when you're out there, you know, and it's almost like he's gone, but you're still living for him. You know, my little 250 Savage here, um, I've, and I got a few guns, but every deer I've shot since then has been with either that gun or a, most of it with that gun. Yeah. Not That's the only high power that I'll use. And that was a gun that, that yeah, Kevin that, that would have been his gun. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yep, it's, yeah, that's the worst part is the memories and that he never drew that big bull tag, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So if we go outdoors and we're somewhere, he'll say that's where Kevin shot this or that's where Nathan shot this or, you know, he'll reminisce about. And, and we have the horns and the heads. Yeah, they each have their, Kevin's got a little wall like this. with some. I was going to take a picture of it and I forgot. And Nathan has his. And yeah, you'll have to come out to our house sometime because yeah. I've got a pretty good game room myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure Matt can coordinate yeah, that. I got silent Absolutely. scope instead of buck hunter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know Matt; he's got to have the he's got to have the the craziest thing in the room. So yeah. <laughs> um, I I uh, again I I know this is probably the third or fourth time we've thanked you for coming on, but um, uh, just thank you for and, and allowing us to um a big mission point for us as a company, um, and this I guess only started within the last. 12 months. Um, but we thought a media company is an interesting company. Um, you can only make money certain ways and you can only do things as good as your talent is. Right. And we thought it just felt weird. Like when you go to sell, um, let's say you sell cheeseburgers, right? You have a demand. People want to eat. So they eat cheeseburgers. Well, when you have a company like ours, there's not really a demand for Bull Mountain Brothers. <laughs> People don't apparel really need to listen to us. And, and there will get, hopefully, a certain point where maybe there is more of a need, right? That's kind of yeah. the goal. And that's yeah. the continuing trend as we get here compared to where we were a year ago. Um, we thought to ourselves, how could we do this um, and also help our community, right? Um, because it feels weird to ask people for money um, just to buy clothing and stuff like that. And, and, uh, our biggest thing is we wanted to give back. Exactly. Uh, we wanted to, we just felt like there's a need for an organization, uh, a company as ourselves in our community to be able to give back what the community is already giving to us. Um, and to, you know, we have a voice, right? We're here today. We have a voice. There's people that are continuously listening to us. And even if, um, and I will say our TikTok does pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, Social media has that chance that even if you're the smallest guy in the world, you always have that chance of hitting something crazy viral, right? And so if we have a chance to uh, have you guys on the podcast, tell a story, um, and maybe that goes viral or something, maybe Bull Mountain Brothers can help outside of what we're already doing, help someone with your guys's mission right well that's what i hope with this outdoor world that listen we'll be listening to you guys take this to heart think about it i mean well the biggest thing like for me like even having you guys on i mean if say only 10 people listen to this whole podcast but we help one person 
Exactly. Uh, I succeeded so much, and maybe not help them personally, but they can say, "Hey, you need to listen to this yeah, through the network." That maybe you, you know, know, and and your story is so touching that, um, I mean, it's the first time we've sat for an hour, and Sean hasn't said nothing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's really turned into Ramsey. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> And that was fantastic. I, I will, like I said, uh, I kind of told you at the beginning of the podcast, uh, people get tired. We, they hear us every week. So it's more special to hear from you. Um, I had one more thing I was going to say. Um, Sean? Did you tell Matt? Is that why you looked at Matt? No, Matt, we can usually, uh, if I look at somebody, usually my thought process. Well, I want to bring back. up our raffle tickets at some point. Yeah, too. perfectly. This is a great opportunity. Um, the whole reason that Jill and Doug are here. Um, we're we're hitting the halfway point, like we said. Um, they can see if you really haven't, well. no, <laughs> uh, Sean, I, I want you to tell us about a deer hunt. What, what's everybody getting? If you haven't heard about it yet, we've been relatively June. We've talked about this. June and half of July has been such a crazy. I mean, you guys did some networking last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been all these different sections of what we are as a company, and this has kind of been. Um, this should have been pushed harder than it has been, but we're finally getting to a point where we can focus mainly on um, our raffle that's ending this September year, 30th. So why don't you uh, give everybody a you know, just a, basically a rundown of what what what's all included on this and, and what are we giving away um, and who it's for and everything. Just tell us everything. Uh, pretty much, it's uh, I mean, realistically it's the coolest deer hunt you could probably do in Montana. Um, it's a you know it's a four day guided hunt, right? Um, Outstanding meals um, from uh, phenomenal. If I could say it in French, I would. But Chef Matt um, <laughs> feeding you the whole time, uh, things like that. You get to hang out with uh, with the four of us, which is uh, it's a pretty good time. Um, Depending on who you talk to, <sighs> I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> um, you know, it's phenomenal deer hunting out there. I just I feel like people don't. Uh, um, they look at it, especially Montanans, obviously, because we can only sell this in Montana. Um, but it's not limited to Montanans. If you're coming, no, through, no. If you, it, it, it's just the regulation state has to be sold in Montana. You don't have to be in Montana as long as you have the active um, and correct tag. Uh, but I feel like Montanans look at something like this, and ex- especially we saw it with our turkey hunt. It's like, you know, why would I give you fifty dollars when I have my my deer hunting spot that I go to every year? It's it's something that people I think need to realize. It's a different experience, and those are fantastic in the outdoors to be able to go and introduce yourself to a completely new environment and you know find new ways to hunt. Maybe they learn something from one of us. You know, maybe they learn something from the two guys on the other side of the table that are guides. Stuff like that. Well, and think about this too. And I, and I as as a public land hunter, um, you know, and you guys are big time public land elk hunters. Um, you have the respect for everything that goes on. You know, as far as finding opportunity and this and that, but think about this: for four days, you're going to get the opportunity to be on seventy thousand acres, and you get to experience that virtually alone. And you don't have to. I mean, you're not the one that has to set up everything. You're not the one that has to cook. You literally are our our guest there. You're going to well, well, and I think the I think the biggest thing now is you know people see you know like like you're saying, Sean, fifty dollars. You know, I, I got my own hunting place. I, I honestly think after this podcast comes out in a week that uh, they're going to see that the proceeds from this hunt 
is going to go to a good cause right. that's bringing research that is needed, you know, and money that's needed. I think it's phenomenal that we brought Jill and Doug on for this, especially to just explain, you know, what they're doing now and what, you know, their story to be able to kind of explain. Put a um, face to the name. Yeah, how they got, you know, involved in this and things like that. And I think that'll help a lot of people because, you know, they 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 read a name and maybe, um, you know, not take it to heart as well as they will. But after this, I feel like it's well, going to help out a lot of people. Not to be like that guy or just to be insensitive again. I didn't know what Out of the Darkness was until we started this. I, I, I'm not saying you guys are doing a you're lacking in the advertising portion of things, but as someone that's not in that world, um, I would have never known. And now that I do know, um, I feel blessed to, to, to know it. And I think that it's a good message to everyone. And we were fortunate enough to help veterans on our, <coughs> on our last raffle, mm -hmm. which is a very important thing as well. Um, but I think that again, you know, I, and yeah, you're going to, most people are affected, um, like they have soldiers in their family and stuff like that. But I think it's singular because when you're helping a veteran, a wounded veteran, stuff like that, you're helping a niche group of people. Um, and not that I'm, I mean, obviously we're going to do more in the future, right. but to, to help the suicide awareness, again, it's, it's something that's, this touches every single person in, in the world. Um, and so, including veterans, exactly. Yeah. Which you, is probably your highest percentage of um, coming back home. Um, you know, people that are really dealing with mental illness coming post-war and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean. How many tickets can be sold? 500. 500. 500. And I have been, I, have I was asked this today. 496 right here. So if you want the lucky winner. I have, 490, <laughs> I have 499 and 500 right in front of me. That is so, crazy. Um, I was asked today how many we've sold. I don't have a clue. I have zero idea. Um, uh, that's not important to me. Uh, what's important to me is... Uh, that all 500 sell. That's what's important. <laughs> yes, um, that is the most important thing because the the more money that we can give back to Jill here um, is really. Cavs Earth Angels in the Out of the Darkness. Yes. So, um, in memory of Kev and all of those that we've lost. Yeah. So that's our raffle. That's what we're working here for. Um, again, thank you, Jill and Doug. Well, thank you guys. Yes, thank you guys for being here. I still I cry even when I'm explaining it to people. I cry. Well, and we're we're looking forward to even more adventures uh in, in helping helping how we can help. And um I unfortunately missed the first event that you guys did together. Um and I really kick myself because that's something that I enjoy uh being a part of. But I'm looking very forward to September 30th. Um is the draw is the drawing for this raffle. And I believe we'll be um we're gonna be at the high horse yes, in, in yes, Billings, we'll Montana. And I know Jill, you will be there. Yes, I'll be there. Oh, perfect. And you guys can come and, meet. You guys can come meet Jill. And we also have some bingo nights coming up. We do have bingo nights. Those will be posted on Facebook as soon as they're completely confirmed. <clears throat> yes, uh, and then we will be at the air show on the. I think it's the twelfth, isn't it? Twelfth yeah. and thirteenth yeah. of August. Um, thanks to the high horse with Reed, he uh, got us a booth. Is the bingo? Where's the bingo? Is it going to be at the Squire at and the at the high, high Horse yep. at both? I think it's a Monday Wednesday transition, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Well, originally we were <laughs> we were trying to shoot for a lot, and uh, our um, 
what would you say our acquaintance said that was too we, much. Uh, we overshot we, our. We, we, we went above and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're doing three. Uh, well, three in August and three in September. So uh, be stay tuned for that. And again, uh, when we do that drawing, um, we can't wait to pick our winner. And then, like I said, Jill will be there, and you can ask her some more questions if you didn't get anything answered uh, on this podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm very looking forward to how this shakes out and. Um, I thought this was a phenomenal podcast. Yep. Anyway. Yeah, this is one, one of the best by far. And, and it was a different a, a different tone, but it, it was, was a great... I really, the whole time, I, I was... Uh, necessary tone. I, I It was really good. So thanks again, guys. And again, we're, we're so honored to be with you guys oh, and to be part of this. Oh, oh. The oh. fact that you called, I'll, I mean, I'll never forget. No. It just is a treasure, truly. No, definitely. Kev would love you guys. I'm not kidding. I don't doubt that in the world. I I saw all the pictures. I heard all the stories. I was like, man, he, him, and 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 we've got. I've been lucky enough to do some hunting with Chad. Yep. Uh, several times. Uh, Ramsey, I think, shot his first elk with Chad. Was that right? Or, Correct. Yeah. So, um, I I'm sure Kevin would have been right there along, and uh, um, he probably is. He probably right. He was oh, there. Yeah. I'm sure he was. So, um, thanks again, guys. Uh, this is this is it for us today. Um. You'll probably hear our backwards intro. Intro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we so much enjoy to do. Um, but yeah, go check us out on social media. This podcast will be out Friday the 23rd. As I say that right? Yep. No. No. 22nd? 21st. Am I way ahead? Yeah, it is Thursday. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, run out of, I run out of time and space anymore, but... Uh, tomorrow it'll be out tomorrow so uh, we're excited and the video version or hey, yesterday if you're listening to this actually I'm not gonna I'm not gonna indulge <laughs> in stuff that we're gonna talk about after the pod or in the intro but there is something that Ramsey just acquired that you're gonna learn before I even said this right now yeah uh, but again thank you um, and yeah go get your raffle tickets and support uh, Out of the Darkness that's it for us we'll catch yeah. you on the next one thank you Doug thank and you, thank you thank you thank you guys, you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bull Mountain Brothers. Hey, if you're looking for more Bull Mountain Brothers, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at bull underscore mountain underscore brothers and Facebook and YouTube at Bull Mountain Brothers. Also, don't forget to check out our B&B store at bullmountainbrothers.com where you can find some super sweet deals on some seasonal merchandise and outdoor gear. Bull Mountain Brothers.